0: Do you remember this weekend in the town of Selma, Alabama? People gathered by the thousands to remember. Fifty years ago yesterday was Bloody Sunday. Maybe you remember. Maybe you remember where you were that day. On that day, March 7th, 1965, Another 600 gathered in that same place, in that same town of Selma. Their task was one of remembrance, though their memories were much fresher than they were yesterday. Just days before that day, on February 17th, Jimmy Lee Jackson died from a gunshot wound served to him by an Alabama state trooper. His only crime, protesting while black. 50 years ago, these 600 souls lined up at the foot of the Edmund Pettus Bridge in protest, in remembrance of Jackson's unjust murder, their plan to march from the foot of that bridge all the 54-mile way to Montgomery, Alabama, their capital. As they began to march, they remembered Jackson. They remembered others, Medgar Evers. They remembered how not long ago, Their families were slaves in their own country. They remembered how they had been emancipated by a declaration of the government, yet now they could not even walk through their streets without harassment and sometimes violence. These memories pushed them forward across that bridge where on the other side they were met with tear gas and billy clubs. Now, hearing about that planned protest, County Sheriff Jim Clark issued a summons to all the white males of Dallas County, Alabama, over the age of 21, to join him that morning at the courthouse and they would be deputized. With his newly formed militia, they lined up on the other side of the bridge. Now, they too gathered out of memory. They remembered growing up in segregated South where blacks were expected to stay quiet and just put up with Jim Crow. They remembered the hate that was taught them by their parents, teachers, preachers, and politicians that blacks were not equal and that if they wanted to hold on to their country, well, they better fight for it. Their memories pushed them forward to the foot of that bridge where they met these protesters' arriving from the other side. They told them to turn around, and when they did not, they began to beat them with clubs, the protesters not fighting back. They fired tear gas in their eyes. Maybe some of you remember seeing the images from that day. Newspapers all over the country ran on the front page a picture of Amelia Boynton. She was the march organizer, and she lied bloodied and unconscious in the middle of the road. A few days after that, Dr. Martin Luther King arrived in Selma and organized another march demanding that the state troopers this time protect the marchers. But when they arrived on the other side of the bridge and another crowd gathered to beat them, they turned around. But a couple weeks after that, the cry went out across the country, we will have another march and they will be protected. This time, President Johnson sent federal protection. And they began that same march the third time. This march kept going across the bridge. And after five days and 54 miles, adding more and more people every day, thousands of people, white, black, Jew, Christian, Catholic, Protestant, thousands of people arrived on the steps of the Alabama state capitol in Montgomery, Alabama, King began speaking to the crowd, reminding them of their country, of the values that this country holds. And he called for the passage of a new law, a law called the Voting Rights Act, a law that would give everybody, no matter the shade of their skin, the right to vote. Stephen Somerstein stood behind King that day. He had been following the whole march, taking pictures. And that day, in that moment, as King spoke to the crowd, he was right behind him and took out his camera and captured that iconic photo of the back of King's head with the sea of people in front of him. The photo became the poster for the recent movie about Selma. Maybe you remember seeing that picture. Memory, it's a strange thing, isn't it? What you remember can significantly impact what you become. Memories transform us, they motivate us for good and for bad. I was talking to a man not long ago, and he was sharing with me his passion for helping struggling families. I asked him why he did this, and he told me a story a story of growing up in Nebraska as a poor family of seven. They didn't have much to eat, yet every time they went to their small town grocery store, the grocer had set aside a box of fruits and vegetables that he could no longer sell, yet were still good to eat. And he gave it to this family. This man sees his life as trying to live like that grocer. Memory. It's a strange thing, isn't it? The things we remember, the things we forget, a certain smell can bring back memories. Memories of, 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 of our grandparents, of their table, and as we think we began to be changed again, we want to be more like them. We want to be better people. Who we are, what we become, what we do with our lives is deeply impacted with what we remember. I'm not sure what you remember about the story of the Israelites in the Hebrew Bible and the Old Testament. Their story is our story, a part of our faith. Last week, we encountered Abraham and Sarah. You remember these two faithful who left their homes and all they knew to follow God to this new land of promise. Now, God promised them a great nation, and that is what happened. Their people became numerous. And yet time and circumstances led them into the country of Egypt, a land that welcomed them with open arms, gave them a place to live, yet eventually became hostile. As the Hebrews grew, the Egyptians feared what might happen to them if they became too numerous. So Pharaoh, that's what Egyptians called their kings, Pharaoh made all the Hebrews slaves of the Egyptians From welcome guests to slaves, that was the path of Abraham's descendants. One would think that God had forgotten the promises he made to Abraham and Sarah. And then one day we're told that God hears the cries of his people and God remembers. Seems odd thinking about God remembering, but God hears their cries and he remembers, God remembers Abraham and Sarah, and he decides to act. He chooses a shepherd named Moses. Now, you remember Moses was not just any shepherd. Moses was a Hebrew, yes, but he grew up as an Egyptian in the very palace of Pharaoh as a stepson to the king. Yet he knew who he was, and one day when he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew slave, he acted in anger, attacked the abuser, and killed him on the spot. Fearing for his life, Moses fled Egypt that day, never planning to return. That is until God shows up. Years later, Abraham, or Moses is safe and secure, happy with his new life. And then that bush begins burning and it's not consumed. A voice speaks from the bush. Remember our people in Egypt, God says to Moses. Go back to Pharaoh. Tell Pharaoh, let our people go. Moses protests, but eventually he goes. And after some protesting, Pharaoh eventually does what Moses asks and lets the Hebrews go. And there on the edge of Egypt, these former slaves gather together by the tens of thousands and they have a march. They march right out of Egypt. Right through the Red Sea, which parts in front of them, revealing this dry bridge through the water. Across the bridge, they march all the way until our text today to the foot of Mount Sinai. And there, Moses climbs the mountain like steps on a courthouse. He climbs up to have a meeting with God. God has brought them there. Now, what's God going to do with them? And what does God say to Moses? He says, remember, remember who I am. Remember who you are. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And then, and then based on that memory, on what God had done for them, God gives them a new law. Now we call them the Ten Commandments. It's not hard to picture this morning a wagging finger waving at us as we hear that text being read, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. James Earl Jones, I think, says it the best in that deep voice of God. For many of us, hearing the Ten Commandments brings back bad memories of feeling guilty, of being punished for breaking one of the commandments, perhaps, fearing God is always angry at us because we cannot quite measure up, can't always do what is right. Some say that if we hung these Ten Commandments in our schools and in our public buildings, then people would remember God, and then they would maybe stop doing so many bad things. One Supreme Court justice in Alabama thought this so strongly You remember many years ago, not many, but a decade or more ago, he crafted for his courthouse this gigantic monument of the Ten Commandments, which weighed over 5,000 pounds, that's just over 500 pounds per commandment. You may remember a big fight ensued as some said the monument violated church state separation while others argued that if there was no monument, the nation could fall if the commandments were not at the center. I remember living in the South during that time during the fight and seeing yard signs all over the place, the middle of nowhere in rural South Alabama, a yard sign with the Ten Commandments on them front yards protesting the removal of this monument. These folks were not going to forget. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. So what is the best way to remember this? Do we fight for rights to erect monuments? How how do we remember the God who saves us? I'll never forget a conversation I had with a man named Willie Bennett, the day, October the 3rd, 2008. That was the first time we met, and I did not know then that he would soon become my boss. He was a community organizer, executive director of Dallas Area Interfaith, and I came to him searching. At the time, congregational ministry just wasn't going that great And I felt God pushing towards something different. I didn't know what, but I heard about Willie. I heard of the work he and his organization was doing. Sounded interesting. Thought we would talk. And it was the strangest, most invigorating conversation I ever had. He was interested in me. He wanted to know why I was there, why I was talking to him. I will never forget the question he asked. we had been talking about my life, my passion in ministry, my desire to serve people, to serve the poor, to bring about justice. It was, it was so inspiring. And he just looked at me and said, why? Why would someone like you want to do work like that? He wasn't being insulting. He wanted to know. But more than that, he wanted to know If I knew, if I knew why. And you know, I didn't answer. I think I just kind of mumbled, God, I, I don't know. Why? Why do we do what we do? Why do people march in protest, even in the face of danger to their own lives? And why, after they are beaten, do they get up and do it again and again? Why are we here? Why do we worship? Why do we serve? Why? I've been thinking about Willie's question for the last six years and more. And while I haven't arrived at an answer, it's somewhere in the midst of, well, because of where I've been. Because of the people in my life. Because of the things I've seen. Because of Olympia, this woman I met when I was 15 on a mission trip to Honduras. Because of people in my church who were always serving and always dragging me along to serve with them because of people who love me, because of a God who saved me, because of all that I've been through and all I've seen and what people have seen in me and believed in me. Now, Israel, why would you, this ragtag nation of liberated slaves, why would you agree to live in this way, living like this, like the Ten Commandments? That's not how nations lived building a community of respect and dignity where people were treated honestly and fairly, where life was valued. Why would you organize your life around love of neighbor? Why? Because they remember. They remember the God who brought them up. Put the Ten Commandments on the wall, sure. Carve a graven image in stone to them if you must. Model your life after what they teach, but don't forget. Remember, remember, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out. Remember that, and then do what you have to do because of what God has done for you. Amen.